0: Hello and welcome back to 365 Days with MXM Tune. I'm Maya, a singer, songwriter, videomaker, Oakland native, and a fan of film. I'm also a huge history nerd. I love untold stories, gross facts, hidden secrets, and anything weird, dark, and funky from the past. Each day, I'm going to share some of my favorite deep cuts with you. So let's dig into today's stories. It's 365 with MXM Tune every day so don't leave too soon I'm gonna teach you stuff no, it won't be tough gonna go a year till you've had enough it's Today in 2017 the Disney Pixar Fantasy Coco premiered at the Morelia International Film Festival in Morelia, Mexico. It was an epic movie, but you probably know that already. What you might not know, though, is that Coco made history. It was the first film with a nine-figure budget to feature an all-Latino principal cast. Culture critic Gia Tolentino called Coco the best movie of all time, and it has a 97% score on Rotten Tomatoes. After the film's premiere in Mexico, Disney and Pixar waited a month before releasing it in the United States. Dave Hollis, the president of Disney, said that it was important to showcase the film in Mexico first, as it served as a love letter to the country. Young Anthony Gonzalez plays the starring role, and other characters are voiced by Gael Garcia-Venal, Benjamin Bratt, Jaime Camille, and René Victor. If you haven't seen Coco, by the way, spoiler alerts ahead, the film centers on a 12-year-old boy named Miguel who wants to become a musician, but his family won't let him. As family lore goes, his great-great-grandfather left his great-great-grandmother to pursue music and never returned. Miguel now lives with his great-grandmother, Coco, the daughter of the wandering musician. Coco has built her life upon making shoes, a completely different enterprise than her father's musical talents. Miguel's great-grandmother barely speaks, but they have a special bond. He makes a guitar for himself against his family wishes, and watches tapes of a legendary musician. Through family pictures and lore, he convinces himself that the famous musician is his great-great-grandfather. When Miguel secretly enters a Dia de los Muertos talent show, things go awry. He becomes invisible and flies across a bridge covered in marigold petals. Trust me, it works in the movie. He can no longer be seen by the living, but he can interact with his dead relatives. In this land of candy-colored skulls, you stay as long as you are remembered by the living. Miguel makes friends in the land of the dead. A man named Hector, living in a waterfront shantytown, about to be forgotten. But of course, Miguel is just a little boy. He doesn't want to stay in the land of the dead forever. The rest of the film concerns how he returns to his family, while discovering secrets about his own history along the way. Though it's disturbingly common for films that focus on non-U.S. cultures to slip into stereotypes, the people who worked on Coco worked hard to avoid insensitivity, and Coco was eventually widely praised for its respect for Mexican culture. Director Lee Unkrich is white and grew up outside of Cleveland, and he was anxious from the start about making a film that honored Mexican culture instead of appropriating it. He took many research trips to Mexico and focused on hiring Latino team members and then deferred to them on their opinions when making choices about the story and its portrayal. In addition to those working on the film, he also worked with Latino cultural consultants, which was groundbreaking for Disney and Pixar, who always kept strict creative lockdown on their projects. Unkrich correctly deduced that it was worth breaking traditional Disney protocols to make sure he was doing right by a culture that wasn't his own, while attempting to honor Mexican culture on a larger scale, Uncrich also focused on smaller details to make the film feel familiar to Mexican audiences rather than pandering to U.S. viewers. For instance, characters repeatedly make reference to dead Mexican cultural stars, like Santo the wrestler, Cantinflas the actor, Frida Kahlo, Emiliano Zapata, and Maria Felix. Miguel's dog is a Jolo, a common Mexican hairless dog. His tongue is always falling out of his mouth because Jolos have a genetic problem that causes them to lose teeth. The film's introduction imitates papel picado, a well-loved tissue paper art and craft. The film became a worldwide hit. It ended up winning two Oscars for Best Animated Feature and Best Original Song, Remember Me, written by Robert Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez. Some of the elements it depicted were typically banned by the Chinese censor board, but members were so touched by the film that they let the violations slide. Southwest Airlines had one of their planes printed with artwork from the film. Did anyone get the chance to write it? Let me know. Coco spent more days at number one in the box office than any other animated film thus far in the 21st century. It grossed more in 19 days than Cars 3 made in five months. Our music fact for today is also about death, but without a happy ending. Trigger warning for those who have a fear of flying or plane trauma. Today, in 1977, three members of Leonard Skinnerd died in a plane crash in Mississippi. Their names... Ronnie Van Zant, Steve Gaines, and Cassie Gaines. Their manager, Dean Kilpatrick, as well as the pilot and the co-pilot of the charter plane, Walter McCreary and William Gray, were also killed. The remaining 20 people on the flight survived. The flight was from South Carolina to Louisiana and was attempting to do an emergency landing due to insufficient fuel when the crash happened over Mississippi. The band had released their most recent record just three days earlier. And now for today's final segment, I'm going to go into my own photo archive to see what I was up to on an October 20th in my life. I don't think I did anything exciting on an October 20th ever in my life. I have a photo here from 2016, from October 20th 2016, of me eating a hot dog and I had to put potato chips on top of it. I don't know why I thought it was important enough to take a photo of Do I stand by this food decision? Also, yes, I genuinely think potato chips on top of a hot dog are really good. And if you've never had that before, you should try it because it's delicious. Um, But I didn't know that was a habit that I had acquired from 2016. So the more you know. And that's all for today's episode. Come back tomorrow and I promise I'll stop talking about death for a couple days at least. Remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow along at 365 Days MXM Tune on all platforms. Talk to you tomorrow it's 365 with mxm 2 new facts every day so don't leave too soon i'm gonna teach you stuff no it won't be tough gonna go a year till you've had enough it's 365